You're here. Why don't we go ahead and stand? We're going to worship. So God, I just ask your presence right over the space.
Aren't you glad we have Jesus? Just that we can cast all of the things right on him. And I love this next song because it's been really meaningful to a lot of us at, all throughout our campuses. And I just think about just the power that we do have in Jesus' name. And so I just want you to be praying into like, okay, what's God doing in your life? Are there little places where you could hand something to him? But I also just think, just be in the song let God move. So God, just pour your spirit out. Let us see the little things in the in-between that maybe we're holding on to and we hand right to you, Jesus. Well, there's a name that levels mountains Because the highways through the sea I've seen its power unravel back Right in front of me And there's a faith that stands defiant It sends Goliath to his knees I've seen his praise unravel shackles Right off my feet That's the power of your name. Just a mention makes a way. Giants fall and strongholds break. And there is healing. That's the power that I claim. It's the same that rolled the grave. There's no power like the mighty name of Jesus. hope that calls our courage in a furnace unafraid the kind of daring expectation that every prayer I make is on an empty Enemies can 
we're just going to sit here for a minute because I do think that, I mean, God wants us to use our faith and use that hope and use that courage to take some ground in our lives. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to all of us in our lives every day. And so I just want us to go back to that bridge and just prophesy this over yourself and over the people around you because he's moving. The Spirit is moving in our lives and he is real and he's, we've got stuff to do and he wants to give it to us. So let's just do this together. lives around you. He is moving. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, we, we're a church that, uh, that invests in and, and cares in and believes in the next generation. So we don't just view kids as kids and teenagers as teenagers, but we view them as the leaders of not just tomorrow, but also today. They're contributors to today. So we take time uh, once a year to, to pray over and to celebrate our graduates, those who are moving on to the next phase of their life. So I'm gonna invite Wyeth up on stage here with me, and I wish I could get all of our seniors on the stage and go, go person to person and ask them what they're doing and pray for them individually. But we're gonna use Wyeth as a representative um, for those who aren't with us. If you are here and you're a senior, I wanna invite you to take a seat where you're at. Um, and you're gonna feel maybe your family or, or people around you lay their hands on you or stretch their hands toward you. And I invite you, feel those hands Maybe open your eyes and see the ones that are stretched toward you and realize that that's your church family loving you, believing in you, and cheering you on to that next phase of life. So let's pray together for our seniors. God, we lift up these young men and women to you right now. And God, we acknowledge that there is a lot of mixed emotions happening right now. There's, there's excitement for what's to come, the new, 
um, the change. So God, we, we pray that you fan a flame into those things um, and continue to walk with them in those new exciting things. But God, we also know that there is a lot of confusion and anxiety and the anticipating of, of loss of friends and maybe moving away from family. So God, we, we pray that you enter into those hard moments too um, and just bring your peace in those. And God, specifically for this summer where um, they, they don't belong to high school anymore, but they don't belong to whatever's next for them. God, that, that, we know that's an isolating um, and a very forgotten place. So God, I pray for, for really meaningful times this summer with their friends and with their family um, before they take this next step. And God, I just thank you for who you've created these young men and women to be, for what they have done and what they will do. God, I'm even just reminded this morning as we, we pray for churches around us like Hope Reform to Grand Haven and, um, and people around the world doing your, your will, like the, the family in the Middle East. God, I believe that seniors in this room are going to be world changers because of the way that you're working in them. So God, whether it's here in this community or, or around the country, around the world, we thank you for what you're gonna do through these men and women. God, and more than anything else, I pray that you would cement your identity into these people. That now more than ever, as they transition from one phase of life to the next, that they would hear clearly and loudly that they are loved, they are called, they are chosen, and they are equipped to do every good work that you have for them. God, we thank you for them. We thank you for the families that have raised them. I thank you for the church that has supported them. And God, now as they, they take this next step in the next season of their life, I pray that you would go ahead of them now, create friendships, create communities that are prepared for them. God, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Thanks, buddy. Well, if, um, if you are a graduate, if you're a senior, or even if you have one at home that couldn't make it this morning, I encourage you, please take a gift outside on your way out. There's, there's some financial encouragement. There's a gift card in there. There's um, some advice. There's a really cool book. Um, and there's candy. Who doesn't love candy? So even if you're a parent who is taking it home to your kid, don't tell them about the candy. Eat the candy. That's your payment for bringing it to them. <laughs> but we want to encourage you to take, take a gift and just be, be loved on and celebrated. Well, you can have a seat here in Spring Lake. And as you're sitting down, if you're like, man, I, I want to care for, for youth more. Um, I don't know how to. Luckily, we have an event right after service here in our, in our youth room right across the way here where we're just presenting what we've learned about the youth over the past few years. You don't have to have any involvement with students or teenagers as of now. You can just pop over there, grab some food, and, and listen to that. So I want to invite all of you to that. A uh, few quick announcements here this morning before we uh, move on with the rest of our service. Um, I want to bring your attention to that QR code and, and your, um, the seat back right in front of you. You can literally take your phone and scan that in less than 10 seconds. Um, and if you're a first-time guest with us this morning, first of all, thank you for being here. Uh, we love that you chose to be here with us, and we hope this, this service, and we actually have a gift for you, um, we hope that it's meaningful. Um, but even if you're not a guest, if you want to ask, a, ask us a question or um, tell us how much you, you love the, the band this morning or you have a song recommendation, whatever it is, we love your input, your feedback, whatever it is, connection card is your way to go there. And that'll bring you right to, to our website. And, um, there's a lot of great things that you can find at allshores.org. Um, one of those things being the, the giving page. Um, you know, we, we talk about all these acts of worship, and I said God was moving, and I don't believe that he stops just through worship or prayer. Um, we believe that, that giving is an act of worship. Because when we give, we're, we're taking what we hold so tightly onto in this world, which is money, 
and we release it to God, believing that he will do more than what we can do with it. And then our hands are open up to receive the blessings that he has for us. So we truly believe that when we give to God, we're opening up our hands to what he has for us. So I wanna thank you for those of you who have given in the past. Um, it is such a great blessing to be able to use that to impact our community and, and the world around us. So thank you. And if you do call All Shores home, if you're a member of All Shores, I don't remind you that next week we are um, holding some voting for, for the budget for next year as, as well as some new board members. Um, you can get all the information for those at the connection point after service. Um, and last thing, you know, like I said, God's moving. I do truly believe that. And I truly believe that he still wants to speak to you. So as we open up his word and hear what he has for us next, I, I hope you know it's our prayer that um, we would have open ears and open hearts to receive what he has for us this morning. And, and one last thing is, um, you know, our new group semester starts up next week or in a few weeks here. And Pastor Evan always says that life is a team sport and it's better when it's done together. So if you're, you're heading into the summer feeling isolated or, or not really knowing how to tie into community, I want you to perk up your ears for this next announcement. We love that you guys are here this morning. Thanks for being here. Hey church, our summer semester for groups launch Sunday, June 5th. Our online directory goes live the Sunday before over Memorial Day weekend, which means that if you're wanting to join a group, you'll have a week to email group leaders, ask about their group and hopefully get plugged in. We say that our groups are free market, which means that you can start a group almost around anything. If you're passionate about something, if you want to um, include other people, it can probably be a group. Uh, we know that good things happen when people get together and build relationship with each other. So whether you're wanting to go through um, a book, whether you're wanting to do an activity every week, whether you're wanting to go deep with a few people or whether you're wanting to meet a lot of new friends, our groups are as diverse as we are. Here's what we know, life is a team sport, that we can't do this thing alone, that we are better together. And so whether you're wanting to lead a group, launch a group, whether you're wanting to join a group, we would love to help you get plugged in to the right place for you. And so go to allshores.org slash groups or email groups at allshores.org today. Well, I want to welcome all of you here in Spring Lake, those who are joining us online, that we're glad you're with us as well. Right next to me is Luke Reynolds. Luke has been the vice chair of our local board of administration for the last six years and wants to tell us a little about how he's doing, what that's been like, and give us a little challenge and cheer too. All right, thank you. So Pete asked me to think about my six years and serving and what it meant to me. Uh, I could probably talk a lot longer, so I wanted to put a few things down in writing so I could stay kind of focused. But really, I have a, just a ton of uh, gratitude. I feel grateful for the opportunity to serve alongside Pete and the other leaders and elders. And it's been a really important part of my life over the past six years. 
One of the main things I've learned is that our board really functions as a discerning community with the number one priority to seek to fully understand God's will and his plans for our church and each other. And no decision is made without that discernment. We meet monthly, and during those gatherings um, with the other leaders and elders, I've been challenged to live it before I can lead it. And what this means is that I need to regularly engage in abiding practices. So that includes reading scripture, spending time in quiet with Jesus, praying, and worshiping. And because of this, I think I've grown considerably during this time. My time with Pete and the board has taught me the importance of community, especially as it relates to our mission. And I love our mission, to be radically loving and growing together in Christ. I think it's a mission that's alive and well, and I think, though, if we were really honest with ourselves, it's probably really hard to do, especially when we try to do it by ourselves and individually. So I see this mission being lived out fully when we practice it as part of the greater body, and I see us being very successful in, uh, in fulfilling that mission. As I close out this chapter in my time as vice chair, I do want to encourage everyone to fully participate in our mission, to get involved. I think if you do that, you will feel more connected and a greater sense of purpose. And I also want to encourage everyone to be praying about our budget. We mentioned a few weeks ago that we are behind, and many of you have responded and continue to respond, so thank you very much. We still have a ways to go, and I would love to see our shortfall reduced over the next few weeks so we can start the new fiscal year in a healthy financial spot. I think we're almost over the finish line, so I think we can do it together. And then lastly, one of my favorite uh, scriptures is Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And when I was praying about what I would say today, it really spoke to me that this is what I see and what I've seen over the past six years. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. That's good. Will you step out here a second with me too, Luke? Um, so just to, I do want to celebrate, uh, Luke in particular, we have three board members that will be stepping off and want to celebrate all of them. Luke's role is to help facilitate honest, healthy, good interaction. And I just want you to know that we continue to grow in how we are honest and discuss deeply things going on in the life of the church and all that happens. And Luke facilitated all of that for us, and we're grateful. But each of us in those roles of leaders are continuing to grow in how we both seek the Lord, how we discern together what to do. And so he's been a major part of that. Uh, Deb Steinhardt, who's actually back here today and is uh, on the mission field, was on the board, had to step up because of that, and J.P. DeLess. So I just want us to thank all three of them for their time of service, too. Thanks, brother. Love you. Yeah. Well, as we prepare to open the scriptures, I'm going to invite you to pray in the quiet and just ask God to speak. I'm going to ask you selfishly to, to pray for me specifically. Um, my, uh, my extended family, so my, my mother-in-law, my wife's mom, passed away very early in the morning Monday, and it has been a ferocious, painful uh, time of cancer and hospice. And so we're all kind of in the midst of that. And I don't, in all of that, I'm hoping it doesn't detract or I'm kind of preoccupied. So you can pray, first of all, that I don't become a blubber. And also that God speaks this morning. Just pray for our family uh, 
and then ask God to speak to you. So you pray in the quiet, and I'll pray for us together. Lord, I thank you that you want to reveal yourself to us. I thank you that you speak through our doubt, you speak through our discouragement, through our confusion, you speak into those places we long for and those places we'd rather not go. I thank you that you're for us, you're with us, that you love us. So I ask whatever the posture of anybody among us that you'd speak, that I won't get in the way, that anything I have to say that would, that it would just be forgotten and whatever is from you, God, breathe life into us together as we reflect, discover, and simply pursue you through discussing and pondering your, your word to us. I join with the psalmist praying the words I speak and the way we respond in our hearts and actions would please you, our rock and our redeemer. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Well, if you are new with us today or haven't been in a while, we're in a series we've titled Resurrecting Now. It's from just a segment of a letter that Paul writes to the church in Rome. Uh, we're in the, the third week of this, the fourth week of this, and uh, just to give you some foundation for that, Paul writes in particular in this section about how the resurrection of Jesus changes us and how God is inviting us to live differently. We looked in the first week at the fact, kind of like think of a house that's condemned and that Jesus says to us, there's no condemnation in him. In other words, he's building, as he's condemned sin and death, he's building a new foundation. So think of a new house being built in us. And then the second way, we looked at the framework around that, that there's a work the Spirit does. It's not something we try harder or do, but we seek him in. And last week, Thad looked at kind of the overarching picture of what it will be for us, that we know who we are and whose we are. And this week, we continue. And before we do that, we want to kind of get a framework for where we're going today. So I want to show you this unique location in the States. Uh, it is called uh, the Bridge Wilderness. One of the many areas you can go and just be amazed at the sights around. There's hiking and climbing. It's a beautiful area that people come from all over to go and experience. Now, as any place is, this particular uh, wonderful monument, wonderful place to go, gets feedback from people on things that they enjoy, things they want to continue to improve. So I want you to consider that you're in this amazing place that you've hiked around and seen all there is, and you're going, what kind of feedback do I want to give? What do I want to tell people? And I want you to see some of the gems that people said about going here. The first was, the trails need to be reconstructed. Please avoid building trails that go uphill. <laughs> That's true. I didn't show you another one which said, could you build an escalator when it does go uphill? Let me give you a second one. Chairlifts need to be in some places so we can get wonderful views without having to hike to them. It's a little surprising, but don't worry, it continues. The coyotes made too much noise last night and kept me awake. Please eradicate these annoying animals. And in case you think large and small alike aren't seen, too many bugs and leeches and spiders and spiderwebs, please spray the wilderness to rid them of these pests. <laughs> Isn't that what you hope people say after they go to a place where you're like, I'm in creation seeing amazing things, and we're all laughing and kind of mocking, like, who would do that? But let me pause somebody. I love that. Dumb people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I, unfortunately, I'm going to have to confess to being stupid now because 
the picture I do want you to have is you and I, we don't like struggle or pain or difficulty. And we tend to view it as something outside of who we should be or get to be. We view suffering and pain and struggle as something that isn't intended. Kind of like, God, would you make things easy for me? In fact, we often call it this way, that there's resurrection. That's what we're looking at. So Jesus died and suffered so we can have good, easy life. Where is my escalator in this life? Where does it move well? Where and how will God protect me from this? And I want to begin there because I'm going to tell you something that I think we know is true but wish it weren't true or tell ourselves it's not true. Life is hard. We struggle. We suffer in different ways. For some of us, life is hard physically. There's physical pain. And the older we get, the more we become aware of it. In fact, the older you get, the more you share your pain with each other. The barometer changed. Oh, I can barely get out of bed today. It's horrible. I mean, we have, we have honest, real physical pain. Some of us have chronic pain that is an ongoing ache and struggle and suffering no one else knows. Some of us have mental and emotional pain. We live with depression or live with anxiety, or live with other kinds of conditions from bipolar to all sorts of mood disorders and other chemical issues that no one else would see or know. Getting out of bed in the day is tough for us. We have all sorts of ways that life can be hard. Others of us, we have lived through betrayal, abuse, just people out to get us and victimizing life. Some of us live with financial burdens and debts, thinking, oh, after this one, it will get better. But every time we turn the corner, there's just another bill and another struggle and barely making it through. And life gets worse and harder. For some of us, it's like the carrot dangled in front of us that we never get to. Every time we think we're going to get closer, it moves further and further away. And then there's those of us who deal with rejection, marriages that end, people who tell us, I don't love you anymore, want to be around, around you. And it doesn't just begin in adulthood. Think of what our kids and our students are facing, even as we celebrate those graduating, the incessant and constant hostility people have towards one another or being excluded or included, and the way we live and post every minute of every day. And they're growing up feeling like, man, I suffer and nobody even knows it just by what I have to see and look at. I'm left out again and again. And it's not just a lunchroom. It's everything that goes on. Think of failure and how some of us suffer in failure. We don't get the promotion. We get fired. The work seems to pass over us. We don't get told again and again, we're not a winner. We're not a leader. We can't do it. Someone else can. We don't get promoted. We lose out on advancement. We feel and deal with those pains. And then look at the interior of our lives. Every one of us have our own vulnerabilities and struggles and darkness of sin. That we would say we even induce some of our own suffering and pain by how we live. But whatever it is, inside or outside, everyone suffers in some way. And I think as Christians, we oftentimes want to pretend we don't. Jesus suffered, we're resurrected. Why is life not good, better, best? 
And this matters because Paul is going to regularly and particularly point us to this. In the midst of this great news of resurrection, he's going to also be a dose of reality that we all live in in one way or another. And he begins this section, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I think we deny suffering and we don't realize it's actually a part of life. Or we pretend it shouldn't be. And like I said, we want resurrection without death. And Paul goes, no, no, they're together. This is a dance. There's death and there's resurrection. There's suffering and there's glory. And he says the glory is worth the suffering, but you and I live through suffering too. Amen? Amen. True. And I think one of our greatest kind of... uh, misunderstandings or misguided hope is that we tell people they won't suffer or struggle if they follow Christ. And it's just not the way of Christ and not the way of life. Jesus didn't come to suffer to replace. He came to join us in it and offer help out of it and hope out of it. So Paul in this section is reminding us, guess what? We have sufferings, but it's worth it for the glory there is. And he says this over and over again. It's not just in this section. Here's another letter. This is 2 Corinthians that Paul writes. And he says, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. (laughs) This one always gets me. Um. My, my mom, you know, she passed of Alzheimer's some years ago. And one of the last things she could still speak and remember was this verse. When she couldn't remember who people were, I would hear her say, those light and momentary troubles are achieving for us a weight of glory. I told you, I didn't want to distract you today. But it's powerful. Thank you. It's powerful when someone who can't remember who people are says that. And you go, man, she's living this. It's true. Paul's not the only one who says it. Peter says it to the church. Be but rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may also be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. I did not have this much last hour, but you're welcome. You get extra emotion to this hour. I got buddies in my, one of my groups that always tease me. I start to cry. So I'll look forward to that this week, too. <laughs> Last time they teased me, I wrote back and said, I'm just here to help you machismo wannabe Burt Reynolds types learn how to find your emotions. So I gave it back. So now I'm giving it to all of you for giving it back. One of the things that concerns me is we tend to um, make this a very narrow bandwidth. Because we participate in the sufferings of Christ, we think that's only redemptive suffering, meaning... That's only the suffering we get because we follow him and the world doesn't love us, they hate us. And that is true, that's part of it. But Jesus suffered in his humanity in many ways. And guess what? Suffering is suffering. And you and I need to realize we participate in suffering because we're people. And we will have suffering in his part of life. And what Paul's saying is the same way we participate in that why not you and I actually begin to embrace that suffering is a part of life as we also embrace that glory is the outcome? 
that Jesus has made for us through this. That's what Paul is doing is giving us a bigger picture of this. And in our culture, we do not embrace suffering. I've heard people actually say that sin is what causes it, which that is true in a portion, but that is not true overall. And that is not true about just your sin causes your suffering. Other people's sin causes your suffering, and other things cause suffering, and all sorts of things cause it. And so if we don't have a broader picture that suffering is part of the Christian life, we can't understand the glory that also comes or the reality that we walk in this too and embrace all there is. I love how Paul would say it over and over again. I, I want to have the fellowship of suffering that it also have the fellowship and participation in glory. Because guess what? It's a dance that goes together. Death and resurrection. Death and resurrection. We embrace all of it. And it's part of what Paul is telling us. There's something profound in this. So I don't want to miss. That's where he's kind of building this beautiful picture for us. And now he's going to take it to a bigger vision of how we're to look at all this. He says, for the creation waits an eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In other words, by God's very will. Oh, somebody took my, oh, no, it's over here, sorry. Oh, no, it's not, the, oh, yeah, there it is. I'm just going to talk to myself for a while. You guys talk amongst yourselves. So... I want you to get a picture of the significance of this idea of creation waiting and even being frustrated. Some of you would be familiar with this, some wouldn't, but Adam and Eve's story at the beginning of history is a story of their not following and being subject to God, but wanting to be their own God. And they sin by saying, well, be God instead of be his. And ultimately, they're each given what's called a curse. And that's where we get Jesus dying to take the condemnation and condemn the very death and curse of their... But you may or may not realize the earth itself is also given a curse in terms of creation. And you know what the curse was? It's thorns. So every time you see a rose bush, you can get mad like I do when I see it. But, but I want you to see something much more significant about this. Some of you would realize it. I don't know if you'd make the connection. Jesus had a crown that he wore in his death and suffering. And you know what it was made of? Thorns. In other words, Jesus experienced the very curse of creation, not just to give us freedom, but to free creation itself. Come on, that is amazing. Oh, yeah, he suffered at a crown of thorns. Yes, he did. But did you also realize he was taking on not just the nature of sin, he's taking on the very suffering of creation. Are you getting a picture that it's bigger? Because that's what Paul wants us to have. This is bigger than just you and me, though we're the vessels for it. You see, they're waiting for us to be, God's very presence to be revealed in us. In other words, something's going to change, but what Jesus did is much bigger than simply freeing humanity. It's actually freeing and bringing new and restored life to creation itself. Pretty cool, isn't it? He continues. In hope, this is why, that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. What God's going to do in freeing us, ultimately he'll free creation. And in case you don't know, at the end of time, Jesus not only returns, he makes a new heaven and a new earth. Guess what? Creation will be made new. Not just us, creation, all of it. I, I get so concerned that we've made it so much smaller as if the things around us, the creation around us, the, even those things that hearing simply the water move, 
and the trees clapped their hands. We miss the profoundness of this. Let me take you back to a beautiful story about Francis of Assisi, a saint that lived some centuries before. It's one that's told often, I believe, and it's considered to be very true. And I'm telling you, it is a crazy story, but it's very cool. So Francis was one that regularly was speaking to people about Jesus and what he'd done. In other words, we call it the gospel, sharing the beauty of Jesus' very death and resurrection and how that beauty brought new life as it condemns sin and condemns death. Jesus offers life and newness to us. He was at a point in his life where he thought, I'm not sure if I should just devote all of my time to prayer and maybe stop doing this. He was debating what to do. Sends word to several people that he was close to that were wise counselors. St. Bonnevere tells us about this. And says, these two wrote back and said, you need to continue to preach the gospel. From that moment, he heads out. But before he gets to any city, he sees a tree area with, with some trees and birds are all together in it. And guess where he goes? He goes to the birds. And this is told of him oftentimes. This isn't an isolated event. But the birds all stop and are attentive to him as he says to them, I want you to pay attention. Did you know the creator of the universe knows every feather on you? Did you know the creator gave you your feathers and gave you your wings and gave you the pure air that you get to fly in and he made you to praise him? And the birds sat watching, no movement or statement. Come on, is that not crazy? And the way it finishes is he does the sign of the cross, the way to be reminded of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, says amen and says go, and they fly away together. Whew! A dude talked to birds and life was changed. Now you're all going, I don't know what you're smoking, but that's weird. And what I'm smoking is creation is much bigger than you and I think, and God's desire is much bigger than we've even known or paid attention to. I actually want to just go out to the eagle that's always out here and go, hey, eagle, I got something to tell you. I'm just not as confident in my preaching to birds as Francis was. The picture I want you to have is Paul in the midst of telling us there will be suffering and there will be glory is also telling us all of creation is waiting and wanting this. Man, don't make God smaller. Let's make him bigger. Let's realize that we're the agents with which all of this changes, but all of creation God is interested in. Now, I'm not buying you go get out on your boats and preach to fish and birds, but, but if you did and something great happened, I'd cheer it on. So I want you, though, to have a picture that there's something bigger than this. And that was Paul telling us, man, you're gonna, there's going to be suffering and there's going to be glory. And Jesus is moving. We're seeing elements of this, but we're not seeing all that is to come yet. And then he continues on. He's giving us a bigger picture of this. He says, listen, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. That is some seriously long childbirth, isn't it? They've been groaning from the beginning of time, and they're still groaning. And they're still groaning, by the way. Anybody who said, I cannot believe how long labor went, creation's been waiting a lot longer. Now, I'm not one to discredit the pain any of you have endured because I have no place to speak to any of it. And I know you want to tell me that later, but this is amazing how long this goes. <laughs> I'm always reminded whenever I think of the pains of childbirth, how my eldest was so sad for how tired I was. And that was not very pleasing to my wife. Thank you for the laugh. I appreciate that. 
He says, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. This is what Paul's been telling us all from the beginning. Guess what? It's not you working harder, not even you thinking better. It's the Spirit in you. It's the Spirit in you. All we talked about in week two is the dependence on the Spirit. It's the first fruit of the Spirit. We groan inwardly and we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship as sons and daughters to the redemption of our bodies. In other words, that day when Jesus returns and all is made complete. But what he says is we groan inwardly and we wait expectantly. I just start to wonder, have we had the wrong posture towards suffering? What if you and I begin to groan and ache every time we see a pain, a sorrow, an injustice? And what if we did that just to begin with personally? What if you and I began to ache over the sufferings of others and not even do the thing we all do, which is like, well, you kind of brought that on yourself. Have you ever done this? I mean, I'm amazed at how you people make bad decisions, but you know what? Mine are always thrust upon me. Amen? You're in the same place, aren't you? Amen. And man, we miss just groaning and aching for the work Jesus began to be fully realized. And that's personally, how about if you and I began to groan inwardly about all that's going on in the world around us? What if you and I said, oh, the role of this is to groan inwardly as Ukraine and Russia and all of this area are in a mess. And we're so busy deciding who's what and what's where and what we're mad about and not, we don't even groan. We just moan and complain. How about these shootings this last week? What if you and I just began to groan? Oh, God, bring your new redemptive life into this earth. We long and expect you to bring it. And by the way, it's not nothing. And then he returns all that's happening now, God wants to continue to bring his kingdom in little ways into the world around us, though it won't be complete. Shouldn't we begin to groan and long for that now? It's not that we don't suffer. It's that we ask Jesus to be with us in the suffering and do something in the suffering and bring somehow glory out of the suffering. What if we just said, be here? I'm groaning for your very presence Instead of fix it, make it go away, make it better, give me an escalator out of this crud. He's just saying something profound. Let's groan inwardly. Let's wait eagerly. Something beautiful is going on. He continues, in this hope we were saved. In other words, we weren't just saved to have it now. We're saved for a future hope, something we don't have yet. And he clarifies that. If hope is already seen, hope, it's not hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? All that is is gratitude. Oh, thank you that my life is comfortable and good and easy. And by the way, that's a very low bar for gratitude. We're missing out on all that God really wants to do. He says, no, we hope for what we don't have. And by the way, we don't just wait eagerly, we wait patiently. <sighs> Are any of you impatient? Show of hands? How many of you get mad if Amazon takes longer than Prime's supposed to to get to what you want? How many of you are mad when there's a line at the, wherever you're in line to go and you're like, why am I not first in line? Why didn't the cashier open up another line? Why am I not the next one to be there? Are you getting mad with me? Because I'm pretty torqued. And look, at in our community, we get ticked about a bridge. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it. It was 15 minutes to get over the bridge. Tell somebody in a metropolitan area that where they're like, it's three hours to get from my neighborhood to a block. Shut your mouth. What if God wanted us to wait patiently? Oh, expectantly, but patiently. God, you're going to move. I don't know when it's going to be. You know what? What if the things I groan for are for my grandchildren? 
my great-grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, whatever you, what if it was later? What if it's not now? Would I wait patiently and believe for that? I think Paul's telling us, listen, you're going to suffer. There's suffering in this life. There's suffering and there's glory. And guess what? You embrace it all. In the midst of that, you discover things of who God is. And how about if you and I, instead of just being frustrated and trying to explain to everyone why this is. Do you know how many people come to me like, oh, could you tell me if God's so good, why is there suffering? Good luck answering that deal. And it's not because God doesn't care, God's not loving, or God's not powerful. It's because life isn't a linear this or that. Jesus didn't come just to say, I'll make it better. He came to say, I'm here. I'm here in the mess and the misery of life. You're not alone. It's not hopeless, helpless, or without some incredible fruit that can come in the worst of situations. We share in suffering. We share in glory. When I was uh, in my teen years, uh, we spent, I was involved in a church called The Vineyard. I loved the movement, great movement, had really particularly, they were very focused on worship, uh, and a lot of songs came out of this movement. One of them was called There Must Be More. It was just a song all about how kind of, God, I want more than I have right now. There must be more. There must be more. There must be more. In a sense, that's what hope is. You're not saying God's not enough. You're not even saying God's not here. You're saying, God, I want more. I'm not satisfied with where it is. Are any of you satisfied with the suffering in this world and the way it is? Are any of you going, oh, I like my life. Could you give me a little more? Could you give them a little more? Well, you probably would say, could you give them a little more? That's a different problem. There's more that God has for us, and that's what Paul's telling us. Very simply, listen, there must be more, and we groan inwardly, we wait expectantly, and we wait patiently. What if you and I began to embrace that we participate in suffering, and we began to ask the Lord, show us the hope of glory out of this. Oh, God, would you help us? And Lord, would you help me to begin to groan inwardly every time I see a pain, an injustice, even a self-inflicted suffering, what if you and I begin to groan, Holy Spirit, move, bring help and help. Holy Spirit, deliver them, deliver me out of this mess, even where I've caused it myself, help me. Lord God, this group of people that we're fighting about, whether they're even upset or not, would you move and change the world? Do you think the Holy Spirit groans that? I do. How about if you and I tap into that? And then we say, Lord, would you help me to believe this is coming? I want to wait expectantly. And Lord, would you help me to believe this is coming? I'm going to wait patiently, but I'm going to move this way. Whew. Do you see the vision Paul has for us? And I'm telling you, I'd love us to be preaching to birds and all sorts of other animals too. Come on. Wouldn't that be awesome? That one you're still looking at me like I'm crazy, but I'm not. I want to pray for you. I, I don't know what the Lord's saying to you today, but I think this is an important understanding for all of us, and I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. In fact, just close your eyes and even say, Lord, speak to me right now. And Lord, I am asking that you'd move individually and together. I pray for any among us who are hopeless and helpless, you would give hope. I pray where the suffering feels unseen, God, I pray that they would know you're here and you're with them. They'd hear your very voice when I'm right here. I'm aching with you. I'm crying with you. I'm here to help. Lord, would you awaken us to groan for the things outside of us and around us? 
Would you increase our hope and our faith for what you're going to do, not just at the end of time, but what you're doing now to begin to redeem and change and restore the earth and all in it and us through it and us to guide it. Lord, I pray for those who are not following you, whether past or present, somehow they'd hear your very whisper to go, I'm here. Whatever comes, I'm here. And they would begin to say, I want you. I want you. So move among us however you want to now, Lord, in your name. Amen. We, uh, we try to give space when we finish teaching the scriptures for you to respond. And so I'm going to invite you to stand in just a minute. We're going to sing. And we're literally going to sing in a sense of wanting just to be in his presence and be with him. Because, by the way, the best thing God gives us is not the outcomes, it's him. What do you think is better, what he does for you or who he is? It's who he is. That's exactly what Assisi said to these birds. Hey, it's great that you get to fly and all that. But you know what? You are made for the one who made you. You guys are even more significant to God than birds. You are better than birds. I just want you to know that. (laughs) Go ahead and meme that one later, huh? Let me invite you to stand. As we sing, ask the Lord to speak to you. Maybe the words will be things you go, I don't know what I think about this. Just say, God, whatever this means, help me. And then we're going to celebrate communion in that and finish up singing. And the whole thing is space to let God whisper, prompt, encourage, help you. Let's worship together. Jesus, Jesus, precious Lord, none on the earth or heavens above, but I have found more, more beautiful. You are my treasure, my great reward. Oh, I just want to move your heart. It's all I want to do. I just want to stand in awe. God, and pour my love on you, no matter how much the cost. I freely give it all to you, all to you. Jesus, Jesus, my offering, all my ambitions, my hopes, my dreams. Here's my life, Lord. A sacrifice, oh, just to bless you. Oh, I just want to move your heart. It's all I want to do. I just want to stand in on God and pour my love on you. No matter how much the cost, oh, I freely give it all to you, all to you, I just want to move your heart and get caught within your gaze right here in your presence, God, oh, it's where I want to stay, oh, just to dwell in your house, waste my hours and my days on you.
Let me invite you to be seated. We hopefully you got cups when you came in. They have a drink and the, the bread above it. If you didn't just know, every week we celebrate communion, the Eucharist, whatever. If your tradition knows this, Jesus gave us this, and this is actually the centering act of the church, even above speaking, teaching, worshiping, just to receive what Jesus has done and who he is. So we don't have any stipulations. We want you to be pursuing and responding to who he is. And at the core, communion reveals his love for us. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, and he gave thanks. He literally says, this is my body given for you. What Paul talked about earlier in this section is very simply that Jesus condemned sin and death through his death. In other words, his coming in the flesh doesn't answer, I'm going to fix all the suffering. It says, I'm with you in it, and I'm for you in it, and I give you me in it. And we receive it together and on our own. Let's take of the bread. In the same way, I'm still having a good cracker here. It's bigger than I thought it was. Like, start choking. It's very spiritual. I know. Welcome to kind of spiritual communion. Jesus took the cup. He said, it's a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. One of my favorite understandings from Passover is they would have taken a bitter herb, which reminded them of the bitterness of their slavery, which they had in Egypt. For us, the bitterness is a slavery that sin itself condemns us in how we live because we live destructively to ourselves and others. The drink was sweet. It washed away bitterness and the bitterness of our slavery. And what we're reminded is it's something Jesus has done to give life, not something we do or try or figure out we receive. Let's take of the cup. Lord, I ask in the sacred moment that you would pour out grace on us. It wouldn't just be a memorial, but we would receive your goodness, your presence, your strength, even as we worship. I want to invite you to stand. And I'm going to just telegraph because this bridge we're about to sing is about things we offer up, like fragrance. Like if you want us to offer that up, we offer it up to you. If you want us to offer up a song, we want to offer it up. If you want to offer our vows in our lives, we offer to you. Whatever it is, in a sense, what we're saying is you are who you are and we live for you and nothing else. Man, let's make this a declaration, even if it's hard to buy it. Help me do it, Lord. But this is what I offer as myself to you. Let's respond together. Is it a fragrance that I'll pour my oil out? Is it a life laid down? Well, then here I give my vow. Is it a song I sing? Then here's every melody that what moves you. Just tell me what moves you. Is it a fragrance? Then I'll pour my oil out. Is it a life laid down? Well, then here I give my vows. Is it a song I sing? When here's every melody. Oh, tell me what moves you. Please tell me what moves you.
Sometimes, see, I'm a messed up dude. I just wanted to mess with the tech guy. Like, I, that you, never mind. Back to where we were. The best thing God gives us is himself. We can ask him to give us things that will hopefully make our lives better, but we miss the best thing. I mean, what does Cece say to the birds? He says to us, listen, God gave you life. He counted every hair on your head. He made you for him. And what we're going to do is discover that in the suffering to find his presence, in the long haul, see how he brings glory out of it, and in all of it, help others discover who he is and help all of creation sing and speak of who he is in everything that we see and do. Come on, and then he's going to come back and make a new heaven and a new earth, and you and I are going to get new bodies, and mine will definitely be taller. And I will have rock abs for the first time, hopefully for eternity too. Sorry. Go ahead and place your hands out. Let me give you a blessing. I know that wasn't even very true, but I went for it anyway. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ continually fill you with the spirit. Oh, may you hear his whisper of love. May you sense his presence in struggle. And may you groan by the power of the spirit expectantly with hope and patiently with hope to see his glory and it become our joy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.